Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is Glenn Penlay with the Weightlifting Scoop podcast. Um, I got Don McCauley here, and uh, one of the things we were going to talk about is the latest blog by Dan Bell. Um, Dan who? Dan Bell. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, but I'm having trouble not laughing here. Don, at any time during the show, are you going to use your lollipop kid voice? Next to you, I'm always using my <laughs> lollipop kid voice. You should, you should, you guys should have heard Don about five minutes ago. It was pretty funny. Dancing Don McCauley is here. Dancing Don McC- <laughs> We're about to push the table back and set him loose. I lollipop kid. Uh, <laughs> Don. Uh, anyway, Dan Bell. Put up a blog and it's been discussed in the Pinlay forum. And it actually was a little more, I don't know if it's controversial, the right word, Don. I mean, people discussed it and there was a lot of. Yeah, and uh, I, I, I'm not quite sure yet why it was controversial. Yeah. It, it basically, it, I think it was just, it was maybe just Dan. Dan can be a little bit sarcastic in his writing sometimes. Dan? Uh, no, yeah, believe it or not, he can. And it's just, it's the way that I think that he put it. It was about turning at 90% or above and, you know, how he, basically doesn't believe that anything below 90% is uh, all that effective for weightlifting. Um, and, of course, that's, I guess, that, that's a kind of a controversial statement because there are, you know, quite a few systems, coaches, athletes, whatever out there that really don't train above 90% all that much, or at least uh, from what they write or or whatever, you would, you would not think that they do. For me, I didn't think that's very controversial because we uh, – Virtually always trying to train at least as as hard as possible and as heavy as we can, given the exercises that we're doing. Um, what if you program training, Don? If you wrote out somebody's program, how often do you have ninety percent plus weights in there? Well, if we're talking about the lifts themselves, um, I think. And again, and this probably is where where it got into a little bit of trouble. It depends on where the lifter is in their career. If they're they're novices, I have less 90% plus because I have one reason. I don't even know what 90% is. Uh, and I want to really pay attention more to technique and, and just lifting and, and getting some strength and things like that as they become better. Um, you know, I think the 90% lifts go up and eventually they become a necessary thing that you have to do to get the stimulation that you need to make big weights. Uh, my program uh, generally goes along that way, and uh, yeah, I'm up above 90% several times a week. And I used to not be up that much. Uh, I think I was a little more classic Russian uh, and stayed below 90% a little more at, through the year. Don, do you do you actually, you know, when, when you walk in the gym and have a, a lifter and you're talking about what you're going to do today, do you actually use percents that frequently? Like say, okay, we're going to go to 85% today. Yeah. Or when you write out a weekly program, do you do you write out, you know, 90% for three singles or 80% for three doubles? I mean, you use percentages that? I usually that do, way? yeah. And I usually, uh, I usually when, I, when I've got somebody, uh, I recently got back to having a couple of guys, 
uh, although I'm coaching them online more than not. Um, uh, I write out usually a month at least in advance, and uh, at, you know I'll put out the number of 90% lifts I want. Now, there again, that's kind of where a coaching eye comes in. Uh, if somebody is just uh, you know uh, doing the do say it's doing clean and jerk, and say you've got uh, three singles at 92% or something like that. If somebody is absolutely banging the singles at 92%, I I might if I'm there in front of them, I might let them you know go a little higher, or I might add another single depending on what time of year it is. So it's not to me there uh, if you will it it's a guideline kind of a thing, uh, and I want to I, I want to kind of see a certain number. And on the other side of that too, if they're not making lifts, then I start shutting it down a little bit. But I do have them written up uh, normally in my programs. Yeah. What? I guess the I guess the question I have, and when I replied to Dan after like three pages of other people replying replying to the post, I, I one of my comments was kind of like, "Who cares? You know, what does it yeah. matter? I mean, I, I I actually think the more I've talked to Zygman about programming, I think I think the more he's kind of almost a mirror image in this, and even you know Donovan talking about his program leading up to the Pan Ams is like he always wants us to train as heavy as we can mm-hmm. given the exercise, you know, given the day. If if they're doing, you know, a clean pull plus a clean and a jerk, they're Zygmunt might have it written down where you're going to go up to 160 and then a single at 70 or whatever. But if you hit 170 and it's it's easy and he yeah. thinks you can do 175 or 180, obviously you're going to try it. Yeah, and that's that's exactly. Uh, or if he has the same token, if he has written down go up to 170, you have a rough time with 60, then you'll either stop there yeah. or go down and do some other exercise at a lightweight and then come back to it. Like I say, I I, uh, I think you know that's very valid, and I think that's basically what I do. I like to I like to write programs down. Uh, in advance, uh, basically, so I can keep myself on track, so I can kind of remember where I am and what I'm trying to do, and remind myself what what time of year I want this kid where. If he's a if he's a type of athlete who's got two or three big meets a year, then I want him in a certain place at those times, uh, and I want to make sure I'm doing the right lead up to that. But just like I said before, and just like you said. Um, if somebody is 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 at the percentages I want and they're just killing it, well, I'm going to tell them to go heavier. I'm not going to go, you know. Oh no, you've got to do the percentages yeah. on the page. Well, I my I I just don't use really percentages yeah. when when I you know am in the gym I because you used one percentage a lot, <laughs> lift a lot. Yeah, yeah, that's a great percentage. But I mean, <laughs> just because. I guess it just seems like to me it become it be, if if the goal is to do as well as you can in each training session. Obviously, there's some caveats. You're not going to max from every exercise, you know. I mean, but but if there's a purpose for an exercise, you want to work hard at it, right? Um, and you realize there are going to be some exercises that the purpose of that exercise is not necessarily to go to maximum and hit your maximum weight. It's for some other reason, but. It's just by by look and by feel in that training session, um, and that goes from you know is the technique good? Is he moving fast? Is right. capable of more? And also, look, is this guy or girl, I guess, um, dead from yesterday? Yeah, right. I mean, if we have if we have a day that's supposed to be a heavy day, and maybe going for a, have in mind a certain PR or something, and you know, the training the day before was brutal and. And uh, 
you, you know, they're always a little slow and ragged. Well, yeah, let's let's stop yeah. at a certain weight or, or something. But it's not. I don't. I don't like think. You know, in my head, oh, that's about seventy percent. That's about right. It's it's more okay. That looks reasonably good, but it looks like if we put any more weight in the bar, uh, it's going to be a real struggle. And today yeah. is not the day we want to have a real struggle. So it's the the percentages, I guess. You know, over time, just kind of faded out of my head as far as even worrying about what percentage it is. Yeah, yeah well, things fade out of my head a little faster than they fade out of yours. That's why I like to write down a lot of well, stuff. But you're basically, I mean, what I hear you basically saying is the writing down the percentages is more of a bookkeeping tactic for yourself. Yeah, it is. Rather than a real, yeah. you know, real hard line on this is what, you know, we need to be doing 85% today. It's just for you to keep things no, that, straight. No, it absolutely is. And it keeps me, as far as I'm concerned, it, it keeps me, say again, I'll go back to we've got uh, three, three uh, clean and jerks, uh, say at 92%. And. The kid is uh, the kid's looking good after two, real good, just killing two. Well, you say ninety two percent. I'd say heavy, but not maximal. Heavy, okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, to me, that's that well, like is say, the same thing. I I, I like to say, okay, uh, I've got him set for three reps, uh, and I'm probably going to let him have the third rep higher. And if he really, if he bangs it, maybe I'll let him have a fourth rep, but I'm not going to probably go six reps. Yeah, you know, I'm going to keep. I, I want to keep the, the the number of reps and the percentages as kind of a guideline for myself, just day to day, because uh, you can get wrapped up. And I think Dan spoke to this too about uh, kids who are kind of doing their own programming and kind of ninety percent is or a hundred percent their their one rep max is changing before they really do a one rep max. They're they're they're. They're saying that their one rep mass is going to increase in the next 12 weeks. And I think that's a dangerous thing for a kid to get into. Um, if you haven't done it, you haven't done it. Now, I, as a coach, have on occasion done that. Said, yep, he can. I'm going to take his next, uh, next two-month cycle is all going to be off five kilos more than I saw him actually clean and jerk because... We didn't do clean and jerks a lot this last cycle, and he's cleaning the hell out of everything. Uh, and I'm gonna, I'm just gonna move it up. But that's got to be watched. That, that that's got to, to me, that's got to be watched by a coach. If you're if you're training somebody long distance online, then uh, you have to kind of go off percentages just because yes. you're not seeing them every day. Exactly. And, uh, this was actually something that uh, that we were talking about with the Catalyst program. It was a beginner program, and Greg, Greg Everett was saying like. I put a lot of percentages in those programs because I'm not there to see those people. So it's just a guideline for them to use. Yeah, and I think that's true. I think you got to be a little more careful online because what you might think is, you know, go a little heavier might mean something entirely different to uh, somebody you can't see. Yeah, do you ever think in terms of the concept of like a working weight? I'm not sure exactly how, how to explain the concept as I see it, but for just about every lifter, um, after, you know, I've watched them train for a while, you know, I kind of just roughly, I don't really do this consciously maybe, but I think it's more subconscious. I kind of just roughly, uh, develop a number, slowly develop a number in my head that is like the bottom of what is actually useful. You know, like, like say, you know, Travis Cooper, I mean, once he gets above 130 or 35, like I'd say 135, 140, 145 weights on the snatch, to me, 
he looks like he's doing a snatch. You know, that's a, that's a working weight in the snatch. Something he has to pull hard for. Something he has to be in the right position for. Something he has to move. Or Matt above 60. Exactly, exactly. Is that what Matt? Damn. <laughs> yeah. I'm just here for the comedian. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. All, all rules are off with Matt. But, but you know, it's, it's like definitely 130 for Travis is a warm up lift. You yeah. know, I don't even know what percentage that is of his, of his max. So 85, 80%, 85%, something like that. But I mean, to me, I, when I watch him do it, the way he approaches it, the way he lifts it, the way whatever, he can do whatever the hell he wants with that weight. It's not really a working weight. And I think I use that concept loosely, but it's, it's definitely there in, in my mind that, okay, 30's done. Now, now we're working. Now we're getting to the workout. Now, yeah, now we're now getting we're to, the to the workout. Yeah. You know, I used yeah, to. Yeah, no, I think I do I that too. I used to feel that way, you know, about, about, you know, John North. And I, in my, in my head, it's like once he hit 40, the workout started. You know, um, those are the reps that, that, yeah. that count yeah. and everything after that. Yeah. Um, and again, and I, you're talking about two lifters that are rather advanced. And um, the technique, you know, I'm not saying the technique is set or is as good as it's ever going to be. But their technique is certainly well developed, and no. I think you can do that. I think you come to that with people who are who have a well developed, a well enough developed technique where you can kind of, as a coach, you can kind of see the time where, okay, now they're doing a real lift. Yeah, yeah, but I, I, you know, kind of unconsciously use that in, uh, instead of. Like instead of thinking is it eighty percent is it ninety percent I'm like you know this is a working weight at this point yeah. or just for almost every exercise there's something that changes you know I try one of Travis's favorite and I think probably the most useful snatch assistance thing that he does is hang power snatches um, hang above the knee mm-hmm. um, and and goes to a power um, but I mean I I feel like there's a certain weight where it just looks like a working weight. This is a weight he has to work for and do do things correctly and 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 whatever. And it's a working, useful weight. But below that, it's it's a warm up, you know. Yeah. And I I, I think to to me that is I, I I think in terms of that instead of percentages, pretty much. And and I think every name off an assistance exercise or this or that, and it's like. There's a, there's a point there as the weight's going up through warming up. There's a point there where it becomes a workout. Where yeah. Before that, it was just warming up. No, I think whether you use percentages or not, and I probably, well, I know I've done that, and, and it happened to be 80-something percent, whatever it is. Yeah. But I think you, you as a coach. Yeah, I think that point is generally going to be crossed somewhere in the 80s, yeah, probably mid-80s. Yeah, something like that. Uh, and, you know, that, that, that has to be done. And that has to be, uh, well, again, as Travis referred to, I think it, it – if you're coaching somebody, you have to see them to, to start knowing that. And you have to see a, a good amount of them to start knowing that. It's not a once a month or by Skype or whatever every once in a great while, but most of the workouts are really go unseen. Uh, it's much harder to do, uh, much harder to do when you've got that. I, I agree with, uh, boy, I agree with Catalyst, holy mackerel. I agree with uh, Tra- what Travis said. I think on these uh, long-distance things, the percentages become a little more important. But in actual number value. Now, if I was to be, um, I guess, constructive, you know, constructive criticism on our programming, one thing is we don't always write everything down and we don't necessarily go by percentages. One negative thing that can happen at the individual level is uh, oftentimes people make big jumps and they don't make a ton of lifts between 90 and 100%. 
So they might be attempting a PR, but maybe they only hit two lifts between 90 and 101 percent. And um, and so the consistency is important too. And I think I think my biggest weakness going into Pan Ams was I was extremely strong, but it was very hard for me to take a series of snatches and a series of clean and jerks. So I was capable of PR weights, but I had been taking big jumps in training to get there. Where in a meet, you know, I had to take 45, 49, 51. That was three reps, very close in percentage. And in a clean and jerk, 83, 87, 91, taking a series of three clean and jerks at a very close percentage to your max. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a valid point. Um, I, I am always, I am always in favor, although I don't really insist on this, um, but I, I usually when people ask me about a bigger jump, smaller jump, say, should I go 30 to 40 or 30, 35, 40, I, 99% of the time, like, take 35 first, then 40, then, you know, 40, and not, you know, take the 30, 40, 50 type jump, you know, just for example on the numbers. Um, however, um, I, I really don't insist on that. I mean, if somebody wants to make a big jump and, and then I, you know, I let them do it. I think one thing that helps balance that out is we almost always do some series of lifts, doubles, whatever, um, after we go after the big single. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's, it's probably, it's very good criticism. It's probably something that we should insist on more towards the competition that you take smaller jumps and try to th- make three or four lifts on the way up. One of the things that just irks the holy crap out of me is when people miss and then they go ahead and jump up after the miss. Um, I can't I, stand that. I almost never think that's, that's a good idea. I mean, the thing is it works out once out of every 10 times or once out of every 20 times, you know, you miss, you know, say you miss a 180 clean and jerk and you jump to 90 and nail it. You know, that does happen sometimes. And so everyone wants to do that because they don't want to, you know, they don't want to tire themselves out with, with more attempts, but it only seems to work, you know, once in a while. And then the, the other nine out of 10 times you move up and miss again and end up with three misses and, you know, not a lot of hit lifts, but, but yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a valid criticism. I just, I just think, I think that the article that in the blog that Dan wrote, and there's several pages of responses to it. Um, to me, it's like arguing about, well, not arguing about nothing, but it's, it's not, it's just different ways of looking at something. And I really do think that people get too caught up and am I training at 85%? Am I training at 90%? Am I training at whatever? When the, to my mind, the correct thing is, are you training as hard as you can? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Are you training as hard as you can? And that that doesn't always mean going to max, but, you know, if you're doing three doubles, um, whatever the percentage is, is it the best, the heaviest, the best uh, three doubles that you can get? It, and that might be 80%. On another day, that might be 90%. But the important thing is to make it uh, the best three doubles you can do, um, not necessarily what percent they're at. Yeah, I'll probably... I'll probably disagree with you a little bit on that because um, I, as, as much as your programming does, I don't like to press all the time to the edges of what you're, you know, a double for this or a triple for that or a single for that. Uh, but on the other hand, um, like I said before, if I see that we're doing three triples with such and such and it's just banging, I'm probably going to let a kid go. I'm probably going to tell a kid to go. 
uh, because, you know, one, he's not working as hard as he can or even close probably and for whatever reason. And plus mentally, it's sometimes real good for a kid to just know he can do a little more um, than the percentage the program said, you know. Uh, he's a, he gets in the mind that they're ahead of the program. Yeah. Uh, which is fine. What I don't, what I like to guard against is people falling behind the program because again, I'm usually writing programs up as guidelines. Right. I think part of that, the, that mindset probably just, you know, comes from myself when I was lifting maybe and the fact that it, I, I, I think, you know, remembering back as an athlete and then you know, obviously as a coach, but, when you're not, when you're not, and and we do have kind of a heavy light type of so where we have three yeah. heavy days a week on the lifts and three light days, and actually the three heavy days have two workouts, and actually one of those is so we're only talking about three days a week where we're really really trying to push to the limit. But to me, it's all it's kind of boring. It's coming to training. Yeah. Say okay, I'm going to do 110 kilos for three snatches or three doubles, and that's what I'm going to do. And even if I feel great, that's what I'm going to do. And if I don't feel good, I'm going to struggle, but I'm going to make it. And it just seems so set in stone that it's not mentally stimulating. Yeah, and that's that's something, too. I think most of my coaching background has been uh, with what I call lunch pail guys. They're working eight hours a day. They're doing whatever they're doing. Then they're coming for a workout a day, maybe working out four times a week. Uh, I think when you're doing a lot of guys like that, um, you've got to uh, you've got to be a little more cognizant of how much rest they might need. And how much, you know, uh, that they have to go well, to and, the job and, tomorrow. And mentally, lifting's not the number one thing in their lives. Right. And they're, right. they've got all other things in their mind. And it might be actually easier to handle from a mental standpoint if they just say, okay, i got to do this, this, and this. Yeah. I don't have to think about it. I don't have to worry. I'm not going to be sitting there between each lift thinking, can I go more? Can I go more? Mm-hmm. It's probably probably from a mental standpoint better a lot of the time if they just know what they're going to do that day, you know plow their way through it and they're done yeah, and they I go think, home to I their family is, and yeah. but you know that that's probably a little different than folks who are training full time when lifting is different. the number one thing in their life yeah. and they're laying up awake at night thinking am I going to be able to snatch 120 tomorrow or 115 I don't know you know right but I, I think the mental stimulation is is a big thing Oh, I, I think I it's, a, it's a huge thing and how well your mindset fits in with what you're doing in training and if a person needs uh, that feeling that they're walking into the gym, going for it, you know, going see what they can do, see if they can make an improvement uh, versus just going to the gym to do work. Yeah, and like you say, and, you know, you've got a situation here where you've got guys all week and you can, you take the, you take the workload off them by having different numbers of workouts each day. Uh, and certainly the one day is going to, you know, the one, one workout a day is going to lighten up and their bodies are going to rest. Uh, whereas it's a different situation where, like I say, you've got guys coming from work or whatever and trying to work out for how times a day. how beneficial do you think it is for your average guy who works a forty hour week and all the other things that average people do, you know, kids and a wife and whatever, you know. I mean, I'm not knocking that sort of thing, but, <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> you know. The way most people live, you mean? The way normal folks live. Yeah. Um, do you think it's very useful at all for people like that to look at the training programs that, say, the athletes of the OTC do or the athletes here do? I mean, is it so different that they just get thrown off track by even by even observing and trying to at least partially copy it, or, or do you think it has value for those people? 
I think the only value is um, that they that looking at either of those programs, uh, that program type, um, is basically to uh, to view the athletes if on YouTube or something and see what they're doing. Although even that, you can't go to copying what they do. I don't think it's a hell of a lot of value for them to look at how much workload is being done and how many high percentage. Well, not not necessarily how much workload because obviously nine workouts a week is going to be a lot more workload than three. Yeah. But I mean, just the style of the style of uh, programming or the style of lifting or or whatever is it something that you think can be looked at and say, okay, they do this now. I can only do three workouts a week, but I'm going to do something. I'm going to sort of kind of copy it in a, in a reduced fashion. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't think so. I, I think copying a program uh, like that uh, might lead to too much work um, for them, even if they – because, again, I always worry about what people think is going to be a light day or what they think is light percentages and uh, whether they – if they start to fail a lot, I worry about that. If they're working – enough that they're more successful than more than failing, I feel pretty good about what they're doing. If they're trying to copy, um, whether it be the OTC program or you guys, you know, prof- what I'd call professional programs, I think there's only so much value they can get out of it. Um, and I, I don't think overall it's very valuable to them. So, Glenn, when we go to seminars and, and we give them the spiel on training three days a week, I guess uh, if you look at our light days, those are the days where we have a lot of makes, and then on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, we're going to max, so we're typically going to have a lot of misses. How do you think someone who's going to train three days a week alters the afternoon programming on Monday, Wednesday, Friday to keep up with it and have more made lifts than miss? Um, I think you just have to. I think probably you just have to put more more limits in, and uh, not you know I think. At least on two of those days, just program pick attempts with the idea that that you're not going to miss. You know, or if you do miss, you immediately go back down and not. You know, you guys have the freedom. Um, I think sometimes this works in your favor. I think sometimes it might not. But you know yourself, Travis, you have made lifts on your like tenth try or twentieth try or something where you. Yeah. I, I you know if you're working fifty hours a week somewhere, you're getting up. Going to work at eight a.m. and trying to have to get off at you know five or whatever. I don't know that you really have the freedom to do that as far as it's going to destroy you for a week. Whereas you can come back maybe the next workout you're a little tired, but within a day or two you're fine. Yeah, I mean that works for me. But like Don is saying, uh, you want to have much more successful lifts than uh, failed lifts. So you know Tuesday, Thursday, and all my morning sessions, I have exactly zero misses every time, unless I unless I'm maxing out my power snatch. Typically, if I miss a power snatch, it's just going to be a full snatch, right? So really still not missing the weight. Um, and people don't see those workouts. So, Well, that's something I've always thought. I don't know what to do about this, but, you know, we put up videos. Now we do cut out, you know, some misses and stuff. We put up videos, but people look at Monday, Wednesday, Friday afternoon on the videos, and they have the idea that that's every workout for us. And Travis makes a good point. You know, our morning workouts are – are vastly different. No, we do stay lighter. Uh, there shouldn't right. there shouldn't be any a, a miss should be a, a an unusual occasion. Yeah. Um. And the Tuesday Thursday workouts where we normally do different exercises. Um. So our training in reality, if somebody came to the gym and looked at seven days of training, it's going to be a lot different than what you see on video. And 
I did. I believe it or not, I have worried about that sometimes. Like people trying to copy or like I want to do what these guys are doing, and they have the idea that we come in and go to absolute max every single workout. And even even the workouts that are on the videos, a lot of the light lifts don't get on there. No, you know they're not they're not filming Travis doing his no hook grip snatches up to you know ninety or a hundred before he takes weight off the bar and then goes up on a regular snatch or things like that that are an integral part of you know the training. They just see the one forty. 150 snatches um, that that looks like you know everything. All we're doing is maxing out. So yeah, and I don't, I don't know what to other, do. I don't know what to do about that. No, there's not a lot. Not a lot you can do, or or really should do uh, about that. I think um, you know, other than maybe something like this where you talk about it a little bit. But I think I think what what is good about putting uh, these things on on uh, line and stuff like that is is they give a good example. To, uh, to everybody out there, to guys that are just plugging away, of what can be achieved um, and, and what guys are doing and that and, and the guys work hard and it's not easy all the time. You know, that, that's, a, that's a good point. And, you know, what you just made me think of there is my old coaching situation, Wichita Falls, and I always thought that one of the biggest advantages that I had there when developing young kids, because we had some young kids develop, start at an early age there, and become pretty decent. Some international team members, a, an American record or two, you know. I mean, it, it was not it, not ideal in all situations, but I tell you what, um, some kid comes in, he's 12 years old, and he's, you know, in his first year of training and really, really trying to clean and jerk 50 kilos, and he's trying on a platform next to, say, Donnie Shankle. Yeah. And I tell you what, and or he's training in the platform next to Josh Wells, who was a junior world team member mm-hmm. when he was nineteen. Um, and he, you know, the attitude from those young kids after they'd been in that culture for a year or two, um, it, it it suddenly, you know, when I first started the program, I started with a bunch of fifteen year old kids, you know, they were football players, and it grew from there, but. The, from that beginning, I remember everyone saying, man, I'd love to clean jerk 300 pounds one day. Wouldn't that be awesome? You know, um, over years to, I wonder how long it will take me to get over 400 pounds to clean and jerk. Will I be able to do it yeah. before I'm 20 or will, or before I graduate high school or will I not do it till after high school? And so, you know, towards, towards kind of the, the last couple of years that that program was running strong, you know, at one point we had eight 400 pound clean and jerkers in the room. And when you're 12 or 13 and you're starting out, that's a hell of an atmosphere that tells you, hey, I should expect to lift these big weights. And I, I, I would hope, I mean, I don't know how much effect our videos and everything actually have on anybody, but I guess one thing that can be a positive, even though a lot of people are not in a situation in life where they can just copy it, at least it hopefully, which hopefully can expand some horizons as far as what American drug-free lifters can actually do. No, we're not relegated to training three times a week because we aren't no. on steroids. I mean, we can actually train hard. And, hey, you know, look at Travis Cooper. He's, he's you know, zeroing in on a 200-kilo cleaning jerk at 85. I mean, we can lift some big weights. Yeah, I think that's it's true. It's not just the Russians, you know, no, and I <laughs> or think just the Bulgarians or whatever that can actually train hard, train to maximum, and kick ass. You know, I we know can do you, it too. you and I have talked about this before, your situation at Wichita Falls. Uh, and I think that, you know, even though it's online and, and not, not right next door, it gives that kind of a, a plus to people out uh, around the country trying to train that this stuff can be done. 
Uh, yep, you might have to make sacrifices. I remember years ago uh, when uh, Suzanne wanted to make the world team and, and that stuff, and, you know, my basic advice to her was, well, you've got to quit your full-time job, go to part-time, and give me five workout days a week. Uh, and, and that was it, instead of three, which yeah. was, made her a national competitor, but she needed to step up, you know, and she needed more than that, but that's what we could reasonably do. And now seeing guys online who are doing this and making that kind of commitment in life uh, and improving and, you know, putting up big do, weights. Do you great. think actually seeing people who are making sacrifices to be great in the sport encourages other people to view that as a realistic possibility? That something, sure. Something that had they never been exposed to it and everybody that they knew lifted, lifted weights, worked a full-time job, trained three times a week, it would never even occur to them yeah, sure. what is possible? No, absolutely. And not only that, but they know it's actually going on where years ago, I mean, it just wasn't, it just wasn't available to anybody. I mean, he had the OTC, uh, but that was really, you know, years and years ago, that was kind of only for a couple of people and that was going to be it. Um, and it, it, and it's one place in a country that's an awfully big country. Matt, I'll give you a chance to contribute something positive here. <laughs> Um, if you if there were not YouTube videos up of places like CalStrength, MDSA, uh, whatever others there are, if you couldn't see that on YouTube, if you didn't know that 20 other American 20-something uh, age lifters were, were training full-time, figuring out a way to make it work, uh, pursuing their dreams of making it to the Olympics, would you have ever done that? Uh, most likely not, just because even when I was just starting out with – Weightlifting on my own and not even looking at YouTube videos, just trying to do things from what I read in books or whatever. It was, and just listening to other coaches, it was always mostly a reference of, oh, what the, the Russians are doing or what the Bulgarians did or what the Chinese are doing. So just kind of in that early, early stage of my lifting career, it was all these other guys in the world are doing stuff. So it can, can I or even another American do it? And then seeing what, you guys were doing out cow strength and what we're doing now it just really changes the perception for me and probably for a lot of people too well i i personally uh i mean i've been in weightlifting long before there was uh youtube videos every day and all that crap but honestly watching the cow strength live feed i would watch it before i trained um and i would say all right i want to snatch more than kevin and i want to clean jerk more than john today and so it took my training a step up, you know, I, I like took it a little more seriously. Um, I only had a couple of training partners and at, at the time they weren't, uh, they were just starting out. I mean, they're real good lifters now, but, uh, at the time they weren't doing the same weights as me. So, um, those YouTube videos definitely helped me. So like Donna's saying, you know, it can like step your game up. You know, something that's only slightly related to that. This is, this is not to say that I don't think we can learn from these other countries that I don't, uh, that I, that I, you know, am dismissing them. But does it ever piss anybody else off when we are constantly, we think of training, we think of weightlifting, we, we just think of it in such a way as that we're constantly catching up, copying, you know, it pisses me off. Yeah, well, yeah. And you know what? I, I, I feel the same way. I really, I really don't think, I think the catch-up that we have to do is a catch-up in finding the talent that's out there 
and also creating the programs that are going to work in this country because I think they're going to have to be a little different because we're very, 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 very unlikely to be able to create a program that mimics either the European or the Chinese model from age seven up. I think we're going to continue to get middle teenage boys and women, or boys and girls rather, and we're going to have to fix them as they go sort of program and then bring them along uh, because there are going to be they're going to be things that they lack, usually technical things that they're going to lack that we're going to have to play catch up. And I think that's a uniquely American problem. Well, yeah, yeah, but it's just the whole the, the mindset of being second best and accepting that and being huge fan. Somebody asked me here just yesterday recently um, if I was all very excited for Clockout to come over to the U.S. My initial reaction is no. And I don't have nothing against Clarka. I have no. nothing against He seems like a nice guy. Good dancer. Good dancer. <laughs> good dancer. Saw him dive in a pool. Real good. Oh, well, that's even better. He shaves his chest, evidently, too. He does and, shave uh, his chest. It's uh, one of the only things that I have against him. <laughs> um, you don't like anybody shaving anything. No, not no, really. Not shaving, yeah. Um, <laughs> but, but I remembered back to when I was a powerlifter. I remember people asking me, or several different times people asked me, like, who my heroes in the sport were. Who did you look up to? I mean, the first thing I'd think of, you know, people like, you know, Bill Kazmaier. First thing I thought is, no, those people piss me off. <laughs> because I want to lift more than them, and I want to beat them. I'm not, like, looking up to them, like, oh, my God, you're my hero. I never do more than you. You know, no, it's like, piss me off. Well, he totaled 22-something this, he did that, or whatever. And I'm like, fuck, you know? I got to I got to do that. You know, I'm not here to be I never was a great powerlifter. I never was like Bill Casimir. I mean, he's, he's freaking awesome, but yeah. but I I wasn't ready to accept that. You know, as I was in the sport moving up, in, you know, ma you know, making progress, I wasn't I wasn't just ready to accept, oh, I'm going to be as good as I can be, but I could never be as good as, you know, say Ricky Dale Crane. You yeah. know, he's a guy I knew. Yeah, well, those guys, and that used to, well, we we talked about this years ago, and it used to piss me off. And, and of course, and whether, you know, you can get into this or not, but, uh, you know, there's going to be a difference with the with the drug use. Uh, but you know what? That's not the reason that we're, we weren't, at one time, lifting more. The reason we weren't lifting more is we weren't finding the lifters and we weren't working on programs that would work in this country and we didn't have situations like Cal Strength and, and uh, now MD and several other places in the country that people could go and, and train as professional weightlifters. Now that we're seeing more of that, we're suddenly seeing our numbers are coming back up again, especially with the younger group and the group that's been training, say, over the last six or seven years because they're not afraid of the numbers anymore. And they understand that, okay, um, yep, there might be a difference between the supplements that those guys are using and we're using. But that doesn't mean we can't get A-session lifters. That doesn't mean we should be relegated to the D-session or something like that. No, that's just making an excuse. Find a way to train harder, find a way to train more, and find the right people to train, and you're likely going to bring everybody up and, and be in there you know, whacking away with everybody. Yeah, I mean, it's a good point. I just, I just, uh, sometimes I, I, the, the amount of like hero worship of uh, some of the foreign the lifters worship. just, just, you know, it kind of unnerves me because I'm like, that, that shouldn't be. I mean, maybe for a guy that's 35 years old, he's lifting his garage, he's a, he's more of a weightlifting fan than a, you know, maybe he does the list, but he's not 
not with the intention of going to the Olympics, not with, not with the knowledge that maybe he has that talent or whatever, but with guys that are up at the top that are making international teams that are training full time. Um, I don't know. I just find it odd sometimes. I don't um, think hero worship of somebody still involved in a sport is, is really a healthy thing. I never did it. I never had it. Uh, and, uh, you know, if it's hero worship, I worship somebody that's dead and gone now. That's nice, you know. <laughs> that's, but, that's more, but hero worship well, that that sets a that sets a it, bad precedent. In your yeah, I did. I, it, it's it's mental, a mental yeah. thing. And I think as soon as you set somebody up on that on a pedestal or something, then you're not going to beat that guy. No, no, you're you're accepting that you're not going to beat that yeah. guy. And I, you know, I, I I would like to see more. American lifters, I think, be a little more aggressive in their approach to to lifters from other country, not just, oh, they're so great, you know. Yeah. More like, you know, those mother effers, I'm going to beat that guy, you yeah. know. I well, mean, then, where, where are you coming up with this? Who who acts like this, Gordon? I don't, I can't, I can't really name, I can't, I can't really name somebody. I just, it's just like a general cultural type thing I see sometimes. Yeah, I think basically the average person who's on the forum kind of like reveres other countries because they're on the podium or something but to be quite honest being inside the sport i've had plenty of conversations with abajiev and and other coaches and it's like they don't say anything really like they don't even talk about technique because they didn't teach the lifters technique so it's like they really don't have anything to offer me to be quite honest yeah and i and you know i i would probably i would agree with you there but if you go into a lot of i guess the circles or different people in usa weightlifting there is the idea of if you learn something from, say, Don McCauley, it's like, well, but if you learned it from a Baji, I was like, oh, my God, let me in on a secret. Yeah, I've got to add an SKI or an OEV, OV to my name. Yeah, I anybody that anybody smarter. that speaks with an Eastern European accent must maybe, be a genius. Maybe I can do that. But if you've got a, a McCauley, no, but if you've got, you know, a, a no, but it's the New same England though. accent or it's, something, I mean, you Trav- must not know Travis what you're talking is, about. Travis has got a good, healthy athlete's mindset and he's had the experience of talking to some of these guys i've had the experience of being in a room with a body of coaching i was nonplussed uh, you know i was i mean you know if you got good li- if you got lifters in front of you and you're telling them this and telling them that okay fine we all do that um but i didn't uh, i didn't hear any angels singing either you know i didn't see anything that i really said oh my god i've never in my life thought of such a thing uh and, and these guys are pretty much like that uh, again uh, we we do get and I, I again i'm not sure about whether it's the athletes all together but uh certainly the coaches and and things like that are are a little enamored with foreign anything uh, some of that's probably just human nature maybe it's a, you're you're never a hero in your hometown you know <laughs> You, the rest of the world can love you, but the guy you grew up next door to, you're still the guy you grew up next door to. Yeah. Well, I mean, even in the Bible that, uh, you know, uh, Jesus wasn't, uh, they couldn't, they didn't believe that he was worthy of miracles in his hometown. So it's kind of the same thing. You know, when you travel out of state, people are going to listen to you more. They're not, they're going to listen to you more than their local CrossFit affiliate. Um, even if you're not saying too much different, I mean, that's just kind of like a, it's just the way it works. Yeah. Yeah, there's probably a healthy dose of that in there. I don't know why. It's something that quite that that quite often annoys me. I, I, I and I, I think the clockhouse seminars coming up have like driven it home a little bit. Everybody and their dog is and like, oh my well god. Oh sure, yeah, and, 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 and that's great. That's, <laughs> that's fine. fine. Like I said, I don't have anything against clockhouse. No, not not at all. It's just uh, sometimes, uh, you know, I'm 
I'm just a little, I'm a little bit frustrated, I guess, that, uh, the amount of reverence just because someone is, is European, I guess it is just frustrates me sometimes. Probably at at your age and certainly at my age, probably had a good enough dose of that over the years. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, well, we strayed far off the initial topic. <laughs> we didn't and give Dan Bell nearly enough shit. No, we should have gave him a lot more. But uh, He's liberal, you know. He is He is a lib. <laughs> you know? But uh, So we strayed quite a bit, but still, that was fun. And uh, <laughs> it was fun. And Dan, and Dan doesn't Dan, like Dan, Yeah, he hates foreigners. <laughs> but, uh, but, Dan, we're coming for you next Xenophobe. time. We'll get a lot more uh, barbs in next time. Yeah. All right, follow us on Twitter at WLiftingScoop and uh, and check out our website, theweightliftingscoop.com. This is where projects come to life. Our showrooms are designed to inspire with the latest products from top brands, curated in an inviting, hands-on environment, and a team of industry experts to support your project. We'll be there to make sure everything goes as planned, from product selection to delivery coordination. At Ferguson Bath, Kitchen, and Lighting Gallery, your project is our priority. See the latest designs from your favorite brands, including Thermador, at your local Ferguson showroom.